guys. Welcome back to the Gen X Voice podcast. I'm your host, Trish the Dish, and got a really cool episode for you. Um, just, man, I love podcasting. I just got to tell you guys, like, I just love unpacking the human experience with my guests. And, um, and this guest is no exception. Um, you know, I know people, but then having them on the podcast allows me to just like really get to know people. And I think you'll find this episode uh, just truly fascinating. So we've got Nick from the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast. Um, I've been on their podcast a couple times very recently, um, went on to talk about Casablanca was on last year. So uh, check the uh, description um, in the podcast for links to those episodes. And also, um, we talk about him, um, his coming out story, um, and uh, living in Greece as a kid. Um, Also, um, really cool. um, Not in a, I guess, (laughs) maybe not the right wording, um, but really fascinating story of how the um, the housing market uh, crash of 09 affected him. So make sure that uh, you are uh, following the Gen X voice at Gen X voice in Instagram, and you're joining the Gen X voice uh, Facebook group. Um, liking the page is cool, but, uh, come join the conversations in the group. Uh, it's a nice, really nice group of people. And, um, as always, if you're interested in being a guest and sharing your story and letting us unpack your experience in life, especially if you're Gen Xer with, um, a, um, a unique life experience, make sure you go to genxvoice.com and hit me up. But for now, everyone enjoy the show. Hi, Nick. Hey, Trish, how are you? I'm doing so great because I'm so honored to have you take time out of your super busy life to sit down with me for an hour and chat. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's uh, not an issue, not a problem at all. It's uh, I'm, I'm glad to do it. So, well, guys, we've got Nick from Nick, the Nick and Russ don't know anything podcast. Um, I've been on there podcast a couple times, uh, most recently to talk about Casablanca. And uh-huh. um, we had Russ on last season um, talking about parenting and all kinds of things in the Gen X world. Um, but his co-host, Nick, has a completely different uh, life and story. And I'm so excited to p- unpack that. But before we do that, Nick, can you tell the listeners what year you were born and what generation you identify with? Okay, so I was born 1971, in January of 1971. So I have my 51st birthday coming up. Unfortunately, during COVID, I was in lockdown in January of 2021. So for my 50th birthday, we ended up doing a Zoom party, which is a little unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, um, a lot of people. But yeah, that's not usually what you think of for a 50th birthday. No, I wanted something more like I wanted to be on a beach somewhere and get yeah. get a tan instead yeah. of being in Michigan in the cold. So, so what are you going to do um, this January then? Are you going to go all out like it was your 50th? I want to. So I got to see my husband is having a um, surgery in November, actually at, at the end of this month. And uh, I got to see how he's feeling. Uh, however, we are planning something we are going to go somewhere if not for my birthday at least like we were thinking japan maybe in april wow um, so we'll see yeah we're trying to arrange stuff i'd rather do something though in january like uh i don't know maybe caribbean or something That'll yeah be well fingers crossed because yeah. um 50th is um kind of a big deal you know i don't know if if you had this growing up, but when, when we were, when I was growing up, it always seemed like the black balloons and the joke of being over the hill was Uh for 40. Um, but I feel like once, um, baby boomers hit 40, they moved it to 50. Yeah, they did. (laughs) And now, and then, and now it's 60, right? Oh, really? I've never heard that. 60 is the new 40, right? So, oh um, my gosh, that's so crazy. But I mean, crazy, you know, I look at my husband who's a baby boomer. He was born, uh, you know, like almost he's 1962. So it is up toward the end of the baby boomer period, I guess. And, uh, and he's very, uh, 
he feels like he's 40. So, mm-hmm. and he acts like he's 40. Unfortunately, his body is telling him that he's 60. So, so it's interesting to see that. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. I have, um, I have a lot of friends in that sort of, um, I think it's, they call it generation J now. It's like the Obama generation. Mm-hmm. They, they're all like super young minded to me because they were my mentors and friends. I don't know about you, but I always had friends that were at least 20 years older, um, a lot yeah. of times in my life. And I just loved, I loved baby boomers. I loved that generation. I loved their, their music. I loved smoking weed with them. I loved how they saw life. Uh, they're mm-hmm. comedians like George Carlin and, you know, um, like, uh, Eddie Murphy and, you know, I just, I just absolutely vibed so well, like the whole SNL crew that was big in the seventies. Like, um, I just really vibed with their whole being and to see them kind of, um, starting to deteriorate, even though they're the same person to me is so Mm -hmm. it's so weird. Like they're aging and I'm aging, but, um, it's such a different, it's different. Do you know what I mean? Like it really is. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, it's it's interesting because my dad is a baby boomer, but toward the earlier side of the, uh-huh. you know, 1947. Dad and my husband are baby boomers. You know, it's just it's weird. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, my dad was very young when he got married. He was 22. You know, uh, I was born when he was almost 24. So or 23 and a half, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's what they did back then. I feel like a lot of people were getting married a lot earlier, you know, when it was a uh, uh, you know, when they were born in the forties, I thought, and then, you know, fast forward 20 years later, it started getting later and later. Right. And then go to, you go to the eighties and it got even later. And now, I mean, I'm looking at these generations. I I feel like nobody wants to get married anymore. It's like, it's a weird thing. So. Right. Right. Or if, if they are getting married, it's because they're, um, super Christian and super dedicated to, um, you know, uh, there, there's a whole thing. Like, I don't know if you know this movement, um, engaged by spring, it's like a huge movement that's happening on Christian campuses right now. Oh. And it's kind of like cringy, like they that is cringy. Oh my God. Cause yeah. they're they're And, and like, they, they take videos of each other kissing and it's like, they've never kissed in their lives. And, Oh, it's just the weirdest. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, that's that. awkward. But I'm yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's some fun. I had no idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of, of working on a, on a university campus is I get, I get shown all kinds of TikTok videos and things like that. And, right. And, and just so a little tidbit about me. I have not been on Facebook since October, I believe 12th or 13th or something. So, oh, really? Um, or TikTok. Yeah. I just sort of, or Instagram. I just went on a, on a little bit of a social media hiatus. Um, hiatus. Yeah. So I still kept Twitter because I like the news feeds that I get, you know, that way I can keep my news feeds going, but I never really was active on Twitter anyway. So um, well, what happened? Because I mean, I remember when you started your TikTok account and I actually watched you a lot. Um, you mm-hmm. were, you know, uh, really active, especially, you know, hanging out in Greece with your family and stuff like that. Like what, yeah. what happened? I just, uh, you know, it, I reached the point where I was like not being productive in my own life. And I was constantly (laughs) thinking, how am I going to make a video? What kind of statement can I make like on Facebook to have, uh, to make a difference, you know, that kind of thing. And in the end, it's like, I wasn't doing the stuff that I was supposed to be doing, you know, and um, starting to guess the reason. So, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I just went on like, I I didn't boycott or anything. I will go back on again. It's just that right now I'm focused on writing the screenplay. I'm doing a, like a one man show thing. Um, you know, business wise, you know, my, my, my tax business is doing really, really well. Uh, and you're gearing up for tax season. And and, I mean, unless this is kind of tax season. Well, no, now it's over, but I, you know, I still have, uh, right now I'm doing some corrections for people, some audits, you know, things like that. So, um, but, uh, but you know, the actual preparing of tax returns and all of that and having my staff overview everything and, and look at stuff, uh, you know, that's, um, uh, that's no, I mean, it's, 
it's not happening as much as it used to. So, so, you know, I have like two or three that I'm working on right now, but it's better than the 180 or something that I had, you know, in October. Well, I mean, back to a screenplay. I mean, that sounds so exciting. Now uh, uh, for, for my listeners who might be new to you, um, you, um, you always tell these great stories of, you know, living in Hollywood in, you know, the, I, w- I want to say eighties and nineties is what I would No, I went in 1999 to 2007. Oh, okay. And yeah. so um, you were basically a limo driver for the star. I was, I did that for, yeah. So I, and I drove the who's who me and my brother did that together actually. So my brother has a much more mafioso look. <laughs> so they trusted him a lot more than they did me. So he had, my my brother had like the very A-list celebrities like uh, Angelina Jolie and Hilary Duff when she was like really huge. I don't know if you remember That's her. that time period, yeah. Um, what else? You know, when she, it was right when she hit it big with uh, that one album that, I don't know, that saved, I guess, Hollywood records or something like that. <laughs> and then I'm trying to think who else was there. He had Oliver Stone and, you know, he had like, all the biggies, you know, uh-huh. and with my brother. And like I said, my brother is much more mafioso looking and he talks with that South Chicago accent. So it, there was like an instant bond the moment that they saw him because they thought they felt really, really safe with him. Right. So on the other hand, with me, I'm like 140 pounds at the time, you know, um, and, you know, this little scrawny thing. And, you know, it's it's different. So, I mean, so I got like the B list and C list celebrities mainly, you know, so. <laughs> and and executive producers and things like that, which. Yeah, I had a lot of producers. I had a lot cool, of. Actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I had, you know, like a lot of the executives, you know, from like CBS or Warner Brothers or uh, or something like that. And then um, I also wrote screenplays at the time. I had one screenplay, actually, that I wrote with a friend and that one went. I actually got representation from one of the biggest agencies in town. It went into like a few studios. I had two meetings uh, with it. It was, I went to the Cannes Film Festival to promote it. It was, it was actually one of the most intriguing periods of my life. You know what I mean? And nothing ever came of it. I wish something would have come out of it, uh, except for like a lot of good contacts, I guess, at the time. So, and then I decided, you know, I just got sick of it. I got sick of being broke all day long and, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I just decided to move and uh, which happens quite often. And I don't regret it because now I'm able to do, I'm back at being at a creative side again without having to worry about money. So, right. So how, how did it end up that you were in Hollywood? I mean, are you from Chicago originally? Because, um, yeah, yeah. I, but, but you have a Greek heritage. I I was actually a stone's throw from Chicago. I was born in Hammond, Indiana. Okay. Uh, The the closest hospital to where I grew up was in Hammond. So I I was really on the far, far, far South side of Chicago, uh, an area called Hegwish. Uh, There were a lot of steel mills in that area. It's the, you know, in in the Southeast side of Chicago, you know, my dad and my grand, actually my grandfather emigrated to the United States to work for a company called Republic Steel uh, that had a plant down there. Uh, And then my mom on my mom's side, my grandfather from there also moved to Chicago to work at a steel mill as well. Originally, he was working at a, I think it was called Wisconsin Steelworks, but then he didn't like it there so much. And then he ended up getting a job at Republic Steelworks, Republic Steel. And then so what happened is that uh, my dad, you know, and, you know, my other grandfather, you know, like, and his son became very good friends. And then in the summer of 1967, they went to Greece together. And my, my dad met his sister, and, uh, and they fell in love, and then they got married. And in 1969. And here I am, you know, I was born in 1971, like about a year and two months later or something. So Wow. So, I mean, I can't imagine, um, going abroad and finding the love of my life. Like I, as you know, I lived in, in France. I, I traveled right. all over Europe. I lived in England, uh, London a couple of times specifically. And I always wanted to meet the love of my life on a train, you know, and actually I had a friend that did that. Is that uh-huh. how you and your husband met? 
was in traveling. So we met on an app, you know, and uh, you know, it was uh, it's Grindr. Like Grindr. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you know the the Grinder app anyway, but that's But it worked for you guys. Were you living in Michigan at the time or were you in Hollywood when No, you I was living in Chicago. So I I so oh. I left uh, I left in 2007. I left uh uh I left what you call I left uh I left Los Angeles and I moved to New York and then And then I started this process because I lived in New York again in 1995. And I remember I was so broke and I didn't want to do that anymore. And so I I moved back in with my folks, that kind of thing. And then I moved back to New York and then I ended up not liking it. And then, uh, and I said, you know what, I'm going to run out of money here. So, Mm. so then I started looking, I took this real estate class on how to invest in real estate with very little money and that kind of thing. So I looked for like cheap areas in the Midwest to move to. So I ended up going just out of the blue to the, I I found this apartment building in Sioux city, Iowa. I'm like, okay, let me go buy this, that kind of thing. And, and I started this journey there. And then, uh, and I brought my, one of my brother, there's six of us total and siblings. Yeah. So I brought one of my brothers to, um, to Sioux City to help me out. And he ended up finding a nice Greek, you know, Greek guy, finding a good Greek girl, you know, that kind of thing. And they got married and they have a lot of babies and all of that. And, you know, I got three nephews there and, uh, and he loves it. He loves living in Sioux City and all of that. So uh, with me, I ended up losing everything with the crash. And uh, so I, so I, so I went broke completely again and bankrupt and everything in 2008, uh, 2000, I'm sorry, 2010, 2011. So uh, I ended up moving back to Chicago with my folks. Here I am like all, you know, 40 years old, moving back in with my folks. It didn't really sit well with me at the time. However, I did it anyway. I mean, I, I, I you know, what am I, I mean, going to do? do what you gotta do. Yeah. And so, you know, I was depressed. I stayed in for a couple months and um, just, uh, you know, I don't know, in the fetal position, sucking on my thumb. You know, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, it sounds like you had sort of just like, uh, like a bad, bad go at life up to that point. You tried all these great things and they just weren't working out. So right. Understandable. I think we know. And then, (laughs) so it happened after that. I'm like, okay, let me, um, I ended up, I met, I met uh, Michael when I was 40 years old. So I met him right around the same time, you know, when I moved to Chicago. And so that's how I, and then, so what happened is that he was on a train, uh, it's called the South shore line. And so he was on that train heading to the city, uh, to, I don't don't know, to grab, um, because he was flying back to his home folks. So he was trying to get to Chicago and then take the train to Midway airport so that he can fly on Southwest. And so we were talking for about a month after that. And I was also training for the marathon. Oh, by the way, one of the things that happens with me is that when I get depressed, it doesn't, I don't get depressed for long. So I start doing things to get me out of the depression. And that's one thing that I learned. So I started training for a marathon. I thought, you know what? Yeah. Let me just train for a marathon just out of the blue. Yeah. It and- gives you something or a reason to wake up every day. Right. Exactly. And it gave me like a goal, you know, something other than just feeling sorry, you know, for myself and the whole thing. And, uh, and what it, what happened was that it created this space for me to start thinking, you know, the running part. Yeah. I've trained, I've done a half marathon. So I definitely know that sort of meditation of running those long miles, what that can do. Right. Yeah. And it helped me a lot. It helped me figure out stuff. So I was really, really happy with that. And, um, and I got to tell you, if, if I didn't run that marathon, I don't know. I mean, I probably would have been a little bit, the thing is that I can't stay depressed for long because it's in my nature to just be positive thinking and, Mm -hmm. uh, and moving forward. So, so the fact that I was depressed, you know, for a couple of months there, you know, and, uh, and, you know, it just didn't sit well with me. So that's why I just got up and started, you know, doing something else. And then it, it also dawned on me, you know, what happened was, you know, it was all, you know, the whole banking crisis, you know, at the time I I was able to get loans just because I was breathing. Number one, number two, I was really successful at building a business. Right. So, so it was, what what happened was that 
I learned a lot on how to build. So I, cause I built within three years, I built, you know, I built an apartment, you know, uh, 221 apartments and houses, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen, Wow. you know, because I didn't know how to do it. It's just that I finally realized how to do it. Right. And I only started with $5,000. Right. So, you know, and I built it all the way up to like $6 million, you know, in, in, uh, oh, in properties what? with about a million and a half in equity or so. And so what I, what happened oh. was that when I lost everything, my entire equity, went out the window because the whole thing was in, based on inflation, you know, on inflated prices. So it was all, you know, all these, all these items that were happening at the time with uh, the real estate market, you know, the, the subprime mortgages, the this, the that, you know, they inflated the real estate prices so much, the bank, so that they can give out these loans. And then suddenly when, you know, when the, when the, you know, going got tough, the banks are like, okay, we can't give you any more loans. Your properties are no longer worth 6 million. They're now worth, mm. you know, 3 million. Oh. So you're like in the hole for like, you know, 1.5 million suddenly and they want their money back and there was nothing i could do at that time except say well take them back i mean I, here's just right. take the properties i don't know what to tell you so wow oh my god it was horrible it was really really horrible because well just yeah i mean going from six million dollars to bankruptcy and in, in yeah. such a short period of time especially when it's self-made money um right i can't even begin to imagine yeah so at the yeah. And the thing is, is that I got over leveraged, you know, don't get me wrong, but I was also getting over leveraged because the bank was allowing it. So, so at the same time, right. you know, I learned so much from that experience, you know, because as I saw all the shit that I did, all the stuff that I did wrong. I'm sorry. Can we curse on your show? I don't even know. Fuck. Yeah, we can. Oh, fucking A. All right, good. So I was, uh, <laughs> so I learned, you know, I, I, so I saw all the stuff that I did wrong and I realized, my God, it's like, if only I, you know, I was looking more at the cash flow and how that operated versus the, um, versus, you know, the, the property valuation and how much loan I can get, you know what I mean? That's where I got into trouble, you know? Mm. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, it was a very good learning experience. And because I was running, I was able to like, figure it out. Oh. So then I went and got my CPA license after that. And I, you know, I started studying again. I, I was with Michael, we were going out, I passed the CPA exam, you know, in Illinois, you know, all of that stuff was happening at the same time. Then, uh, then I moved in with Michael as well. Uh, he lost his job in 2014. And then we decided to move to Texas because he got recruited down there. And, you know, because he's like, an, he, you know, he he went the corporate way. You know, I, I could never do that. Mm -hmm. So he was, you know, he was always good with like, you know, rising up the ranks and corporations and stuff like that. So if he lost the job, he was immediately recruited somewhere else because that's because of all his skills. You know, right. I never really had those kinds of skills. And anyway, so I moved to Dallas, Texas. Uh, I ended up getting a job with a CPA firm down there, and uh, I started learning a lot about uh, real estate stuff again because you know I really focused on getting into a real estate uh, a CPA firm so that I can at least figure out how to get back in the real estate game, but in a much more conservative and you know and uh, lucrative way yeah. i guess so to speak yeah. and i did it and it, it worked out so you know now yeah. i'm in the airbnb business here in michigan um i have my tax business which is thriving uh, michael is really good with it you know handling you know the hotel side of it he ended up uh, leaving his job because he couldn't take it anymore and so so it's been a very very interesting time in my life and i really really enjoy it now so wow i First of all, I love that you shared basically how the recession affected you because um, I haven't really heard that kind of loss um, from any guest yet. So uh, thanks, because that's very historical. And I'm sure some of the younger listeners um, are like, oh, OK, that really, yeah, that, that's a real story to attach to that point in time, like just like hearing about the depression or like the stock market mm -hmm. crash of like our grandparents or great grandparents. Um, you know, it doesn't really mean much until you hear the story and then it's like, Oh shit. Like, but gosh, I, and, and, and wow, to, to commend you on your ability to not sulk and not feel sorry for yourself. Uh, Nick, was it really easy to be 
a gay man in the Midwest when you were growing up? Or did you, do you come from such a great, solid family that even if it wasn't easy on the outside, this is part of why you are such a positive person is that perhaps your family was really supportive of whoever you identified as being. Interesting. Uh, no, actually. So it's been, I, I moved to LA and I started, first of all, I had like my, I always knew I was gay. It's just that I never really acted on it until I was like around 24. I worked on a cruise ship, but even, believe it or not, on the Royal with Royal Caribbean. Oh, cool. So, um, I had a friend that did acupuncture on, on, uh, one of those kind of cruises. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah. In 1985 or 95? 95, 95. 95. Yeah. So I was 24 years old. Yeah. And uh, I, I did a six month contract on there. And, uh, and what, I, what happened was uh, I ended up getting, um, I started just before that I, I slept with my with this guy that I, I worked in the hotel business for a while as a night auditor. So accounting, I've been doing accounting basically for a very, very long time. So uh, my degree is actually in uh, French commercial studies that I got from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Oh, so, holler at U of I. I love that place. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I've been working in accounting pretty much right after college, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, so I was very, very... Um, into the accounting part. So I always like liked it, you know, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm good with numbers and things like that. So, um, but what happened is that, you know, there was this guy that I worked with and, you know, I'm not going to reveal his name, but it was, we had a great time together. So that was the very first time I did it. And at the same time, I was beating myself up because I'm like, oh my God, what I'm doing is wrong. My whole family is going to hate me, you know, that kind of thing. Because, you know, I, I have a very like Greek macho family in general. I'm probably the most, uh, uh, I, I don't fit the mold. You know, the, pretty much everybody's like very macho in my family, macho Greeks, you know, swarthy. Oh, like you, you said, know, your brother is like the the moth, mafia, Greek mafia. Right. Kind of yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, so when I came out, I came out, I was living in LA. It was uh, actually 2001. So, um, so in 2002, I was going to be 31 years old. So it was, so it was in 2001, I came out and everybody was coming to, um, to my place for new year's Eve. And, uh, what happened was that the week before, like on the 23rd of uh, December, my brother discovered gay porn on the computer. And, uh, so it was just like, it was a very weird time for me. And then, so, so that's so what outed so he, you was him seeing your gay porn on your computer. So he came up to me. No, he came to, to me in private and said, Hey man, are you gay? You know? Oh, uh, and I'm like, wow. And, I'm like, and I was like, uh, yeah, you know, and he's like, you motherfucker, you brought me to Los Angeles to, you know, to, to live a gay life. You're like not true, you know, to yourself, to anybody in the family, you know, you're lying. It was like that whole thing. And I felt like, oh, my God, this is horrible. And so for like the entire week, you know, my brother was we had uh, one of the clients was uh, that we both drove was uh, these lady, these two lesbian executives, actually, that worked for um Actually, no, she was a lesbian executive, but the wife always went with her on, on business trips. I think that's what it was. And so so finally, you know, my brother asked her, you know, like, you know, is this a phase that my brother is going through? Is this like a true thing? Is there a way to, you know, and they basically told him, like, if he's experimenting, you don't know what it's going to be. But if he's gay, he's gay. There's nothing you can do about it is basically what they wow. told him. And so and if he told you that he's gay, I would believe him that he is gay. You know, that's, so that was the, <laughs> that was the answer that he got. And uh, wow. and, you know, and she was, uh, you know, and I, and I was just so happy. And then he was just not happy with that answer, though. And so so that New Year's Eve. Um, anyway, so my sister was visiting from Chicago. Uh, my brother was there. My dad was living with me at the time as well. And so, and so she, so what happened was that they, um, uh, she, she, my sister that was there, she came up to me and she hugged me and she said, Oh my God, Nick, I'm so glad you said something because I was wanting to ask you and I didn't know how and all of that. And I was like, Oh, oh good. Okay. So, so it's not so bad. And, um, uh, 
And so he did out me, you know, it, it was fine. And, uh, and then I ended up calling my sisters in Greece as well to let them know. And then we went out for New Year's Eve and my brother was just livid the entire night. Uh, my dad's reaction was only, are you sick? Meaning, you know, do I have AIDS or something like that? And, oh. and I said, no. And he's like, thank God. And then he went back to his room. And that was the very last time we ever talked about me and him about the gay stuff. So, so I was like, really? So it was, it's been an interesting thing. And, but now, I mean, I'm looking, you know, my dad, who, by the way, has COVID and is in the hospital. We'll talk about that, too. Um, but my dad really loves my husband, Michael, and I think he loves him more than he loves me. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, talk about a sort of happy ending. Um. <laughs> it's a very happy ending. Yeah. Talk um, about a happy ending. I know. And my brother loves, you know, Michael in too. a way, I mean, I mean, like right now, like time heals. Like, I think some people just need to. Um, need to figure it out and time always heals. So well, it's, don't it's you been think a good it's, journey. It's so different when it's in your own backyard. Like I, f- I find that a lot of people um, tend to not understand because they haven't been exposed, but then the person that they're bringing home is, I mean, I've heard this from so many of my gay friends that like the, the minute they met her or him, um, Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were just so charming and wonderful. Like next thing, you know, the family that was like, you need to, you know, go pray it out is like, oh, I love Roxy or I, I you know, I, I, I love Travis or, you know, whoever, like they, they end up really becoming um, the human aspect instead of the sexual identity aspect that was so scary yeah. for, it sounds like that's yeah. what happened with your family. So kudos to your family for not, no, you know, been, it's for been not been a, it's up. Been wonderful. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, my, my, one of my cousins still tries to like, he sends me like straight porn sometimes and he's like, Oh, really? No, it's, it's very weird. Yeah. But I mean, one of my cousins, he does it and you know, and he's like, dude, are you serious? You still don't like like that? You know, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> what what kind of person sends porn to someone else and says, are you sure you don't like that? Like that's okay. We need to unpack that. You know what? I grew up with him episode. and we spend a lot, you know, we I mean we had a lot of, you know, it's just he still can't comprehend how I can't, you know. Yeah. Like I said, he's on his own journey and whatever it is, he'll figure it out at some point, you know. <laughs> right. Have you sent him gay porn and been like, how are you not gay? Look at this. <laughs> no, I, I, I know. No, I just don't really partake, but I, whenever I get it, I always show it to my, you know, to Michael and we both like laugh. And it's kind wow. Of- it's so weird. I mean, I don't know anyone that just sends porn, let alone someone that's yeah, I mean, of a different sexual well, first of all, Let me put it into context. I grew up with him and we did so many things together. You know, we traveled through Europe together. We Oh, so he's, he's like a, like almost like a brother. Exactly. And a good yeah. friend. So, okay. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. a little bit more sense. Okay. Right. Right. So, so, but you know, but that's why it's like, but he still can't comprehend the gay thing sometimes. That's all. So that's why he sends it to me. So when it's definitely, um, but, I feel like our generation is the, is, is I'm hoping anyway, it uh-huh. seems to be trending this way that our generation is kind of the last generation to struggle with coming out. Although I just mm-hmm. met a 36 year old um, gay man who I'm trying, I'm going to try to get on the podcast because he, he ended up marrying two women, having four kids and just came oh. out three years ago. And wow. I was like, wow, like, yeah, uh, that's, in this day and age, you just don't hear people. Yeah, in that's unheard of. Coming yeah. out Cause it's so acceptable, but guess what? He's from a really tiny town in Indiana, just outside of Terre Haute. And okay. he's like, he's like, you would never even know it. He's like, and he said the name. And I, even though I lived in the Midwest for a long time, I, I didn't recognize it, but right. Um, what part of the Midwest did you grow up? And I forgot. So I didn't, I didn't grow up anywhere. And I moved, I lived in, so many different states. I went to six different elementary schools in six years of elementary school, four of them in fourth grade. It's really funny that it works out that way, but I was born in New Mexico, um, lived in California, moved to Texas, went back to California, went back to Texas, went back to California, went to Utah, went to um, Belleville, Illinois, went to, and then Mm -hmm. from 12 to 18, I lived in 
Yucca Valley Joshua Tree, California. And then um, as an adult, I just sort of continued that for a really long time. Just in my last episode, um, that's that's dropping before this one. um, I talk about how this apartment that I'm living in and the job that I have. Uh, the longest I've ever stayed put and it's seven years. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like I just, that's great. I, we, we just have Bohemian blood in us. You know, my, mm-hmm. my grandma always said she was Bohemian and I didn't realize that was a country until right. someone did like a family thing of our family. And I was like, I'll be damned. She really is like Bohemian. Um, right. But so, you know, I got a little bit of Midwestern in me. I got a little Southwest in me. Um, even got a little Mormon in me from living in Utah and being, being mm. exposed to, you know, having them knock on our doors every day and um, the beautiful mountains in Utah and stuff. But oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. By the way, I love all those places. You know, I've been to Utah. Oh, they're many all beautiful times. in their own way. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, so you guys talked I, I about love- Plano, Texas in your podcast podcast the other day and almost mm-hmm. fell out of my seat because I was like, I lived in Plano. That's so crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I have, I have the, like, I'm a nomad as well. So, um, and I have an apartment in Athens and Greece. And so I go there often now. And one thing that I'm really grateful for coronavirus and COVID-19 is that it allowed me to use that apartment and work from home there and just, like really, really experience, you know, my Greek life again and all that. Cause when I was a kid, we moved to Greece when I was seven. And then I came back to the U S when I was 14, you know, my mom died when I was 10 years old. So then my dad got remarried and all that. And then we all moved back and, uh, to the U S so, um, so from seven to 14, I mean, that is a huge chunk of your childhood. Did you exactly, do you feel like being, um, a, like a Gen Xer in Greece during those sort of formative years, did you feel like you missed out on like the, the cultural zeitgeist that is Gen X? Uh, and, and by the way, if you're, if you're drinking during this episode, I said zeitgeist. So like Zabe right. said in, in a, in the, in a couple episodes before, uh, go uh-huh. ahead and take a, sh- take, take a shot. <laughs> it, it teased me that I, I say zeitgeist too much, but um, but yeah, it, did you, did you find that you, you missed out on like maybe, I, especially when I came back, cause it was 1985. So I missed the whole, uh, you know, uh, Michael Jackson thriller with the gloves and the jacket and all and the that. whole onset of MTV. Like you guys right. have Greek MTV probably at that time. Well, we did. So I did, I was into Madonna. Like there was no tomorrow. Oh, good. Me uh, too. I was a Madonna. I'm, I'm a self, ex- uh, self, uh, exclaim what do you call it uh madonna holic that's what i am i'm a madonna oh good yeah i love madonna i love you know i still love I'll her always actually. love her even though she's so weird yeah. these days i know i know this whole so, shambhala thing and whatever anyway well no that's um, even that's not even as weird as seeing her on jimmy fallon the other day and and she was just being so strange like I don't oh know yeah she did where that. her mind right. is you're right i saw that too ripped her glove like, off excerpts. and threw it on the ground yeah. and i was like because she's you know she's making her own documentary about herself. But anyway, I'm obviously I'm going to watch that. But. Well, I'll definitely watch it because I mean, oh, I yeah. love truth or dare. I love. Oh, my God. Oh. All the things. Um, yeah. But anyway, so so you got you got the Madonna stuff. But I mean, was like was Star Wars like, you know. So, OK, so. All right. So Indiana Jones, 1976, the very first movie I ever saw was with my dad. I was five years old. And we went to see Star Wars together. I was still living in America at the time. So that was the very, and for me, that was the, you know, male, you know, my, the father son bonding thing. Right. That is the one thing I always remember with my dad was going to see Star Wars at the movie theaters, you know, and then fast forward to 1985. And I think it was Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. So I went yeah. with my dad again to see that movie. And, uh, so it was, I felt like it was full circle. Like it was the weirdest thing, wow. you know? So, so, and I don't, I think it was 85 when Indiana Jones came out, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Or 86. Something I don't know. like that. Well, no, definitely not 86. It was definitely 83, 84, 85. We, we, I mean, I could look it up. Well, but... Raiders of the Lost Ark was right before I came to America, the first one. So I know. It was, and so it had to be 85. I think it was 85. Yeah. So, but what a great year to come back to the United States because I mean, 
you know, you had Back to the Future and right. You know, I, got, I didn't miss any of those. All, I know. all the good, all the good stuff of our like childhood and yeah, yeah, and um, all the good, you know, um, you know, rapping becoming a big part of MTV and um, what about? What about metal? Did you get into heavy metal? <laughs> My cousin, you know, he's he still is a metal head. Oh, and wow. So, and a few of our friends are still metal heads, which is interesting, you know, like Iron Maiden and all of that and Metallica and uh, Pantera. Temple of and, Doom is 1984. Just I, I it was. Oh, so it was 84. But I saw it in 85. So it may have been like toward the end because it was. Oh, I, you know what? No, I'm it was sure 84. That stayed in the theater for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And back then movies did say in the theater quite often. Yeah. Right, so right. we didn't, we didn't really have um blockbuster yet. I mean, it, that was just a glint in, you know, like right. most people didn't have v- VCRs and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when we got our VCR for the first time, I think it was like 86 or something. And I was like, wow. I do you remember what you it. first rented? I don't, I don't remember what we first rented, but I do remember that, uh, you know, my cousin would bring home like porno tapes. So that was like another weird thing. And then we would watch it, you know, just out of curiosity. So, cause it was no longer magazines. Now we can actually watch the film. So right. Anyway. Right. Yeah. It was odd. It was, you know, it's, it's so funny how sex always is on the mind of every like teenage boy at all times. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it still is. I think, yeah, you know what? I'm 50, I'm 50 years old and I still think about sex quite often. Anyway, so. <laughs> well, it's so interesting because um, it's such a huge part of being a human being. And um, you know, the, what, what do we do with technology? It's like, how do we get porn faster into our brains. I mean, I know, right. You know, like we went from magazines to, you know, VHS tapes to the internet, you know, like they're like, what a, like anything and robots, they always talk about how the robots are like sex bots. Right. Cause that's what they're, that's what they're trying to create. These robots is to like, gotta get weird. I don't even want to know what the next part of the future is. Cause I feel like we already got everything as it is like, yeah, weird. Yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a very. I wonder how the people like when they got the telephone, if they felt, oh my god, this is like, I can die now, right? Right. You know? We, I've seen it all. This I've is seen it all. I've heard it all, actually. Mildred, <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, all these decades later, doing podcasts and stuff. Like, how crazy! But so, so, what was it like being in Greece in the in the early eighties? Then, like, what, what? What can you, what can you take so, as a part? With of- me, there was a lot of pain, I guess, because my mom died from cancer when I was 10 years old. My oh. father, I felt like abandoned us with my grandmother for a few years there. You know, by the time he got remarried and then brought so us back to America. Greece? No, he didn't. No. So that's why. Oh, wow. He just. So, it was, so I felt like I felt it was like very tough for me. You know, I really, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Now I have the best relationship with him right now. He's in the hospital with coronavirus and uh, uh, he had one of those breakthrough cases. And uh, and I still you have, have family members that are anti-vax and all of that, which is driving me crazy. I'm just glad that my dad was fully vaccinated because he would be dead now, you know, because the underlying conditions that he has would have definitely like not allowed him to live. So did, so, he, did he have a booster shot yet? No, he didn't have the booster shot yet. He was about to go get it. And then he got COVID, you know? So, and uh, so yeah, he stayed in the hospital. It's been today is one month actually that he's been in the hospital. Uh, and, uh, but, but finally yesterday we were able to talk on FaceTime for a little bit. And uh, so it was really, really nice to see him and he teared up a little bit and I teared up a little bit and it was just a very nice moment. And uh, cause I know now that he's going to be okay. So I'm hoping that he'll be out in the next 10 days or so. Uh, and I talked oh. to the nurse and she said, he's looking so much better than he was like a week ago. So I was really, really happy. And uh, oh gosh, yeah, that had to have been a really hard time waiting. Well, I couldn't really focus on work. I couldn't really focus on writing. I could, you know, I just, it felt like a lull this entire time. Cause I'm like, you know, cause you don't realize how much I didn't realize how much I love them until that. Right. You know, it's kind of weird because oh, you know, wow. we go through the day, day by day, we go through stuff and, you know, and, and, and I'm not the easiest person to get along with. So, um, 
you know, and especially in the family, because I always stand my ground for stuff. And, uh, you know, and I did it, you know, it's been interesting, you know, to, to finally realize that I really do love that motherfucker. So anyway, so is he so he's not an anti-vaxxer though, but he has, other no, he's not, but you know, are... but I have family, you know, I have, you know, cousins, my, you know, one of my brothers, you know, all of that. It's just, it's weird. So they all get into this whole, they, they get into this whole, um, conspiracy theory. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how oh, no. that, Listen, that entered. If you want to hear all about Nick going off on QAnon and, uh, uh what do you call it? Re- Republican? republic tards or what do you right. think yeah it, it's i don't know that it, but it's such a great uh you you guys have like such great conversations on your podcast nick and russ don't know anything and so um you're get you, we'll have a little taste here obviously with your just your personality shining through but uh-huh. um just wanted to let the listeners know that um that's a great place to i feel like i know you because i listen to your show so much and you have such a um, and one of the reasons I was drawn to your show actually, um, was uh-huh. because of the way that you and Russ unabashedly talk about politics and I just absolutely love it. And so, yeah, so you, you definitely, um, bring it every day. So you do that with your family even. I do. Yeah. I take a, st- I very, yeah. That's why it's like, it's hard for them to like, because the thing is, is that I've, you know, I've, when I had that. I had a, I've had two nervous breakdowns in my life. So I, I highly suggest people have a nervous breakdown so that they can see things clearly. Mm. So anyway, and well, just um, a good, healthy bout of anxiety and depression, because right. that'll, that'll really, what is that? That gets you to some places and then you come out of it and you're like, wow, because it helped me reevaluate a lot of things, you know? So, so now, you know, like, like if I don't like something, even like even if I hear something within my family, you know, that's racist and stuff. Now, I'm not, I grew up in like a very racist area of Chicago, you know, and uh, which I didn't realize, you know, at the time. I just thought that that's the way that it is. Right. Like because there were no black people or anything like that where I was growing up, you know, and, you know, and people would use the N word. I never would say anything or anything like that. Now, if somebody says because now I know better. Right. I'm like, now, if somebody says something, I'm like, no, even if it's in my own family, I'm like what the heck did I just hear? What the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? And it's like, I just stopped that conversation right there because then they know that they can't talk about that like in front of me. You know what I mean? And how like, I know I'm not going to be able to change feel? the world, but I know that, hey, this is like not going to, this is not good right now. It's not okay just... for you to talk like this in my company. And no, so not at all. Better, you yeah. better recognize. And I applaud yeah. you because a lot of people don't put their families in check. They just kind of, or, or they do what was really uh, um, trending on Facebook was uh-huh. if they, if they're Trump, then they're not my family anymore. And people were cutting people out of their lives based right. on these, you know, um, pretty intense racial discussions that were happening. And, um, and, and yeah, I, and it's, it's you know, I, I didn't want to go that route because I'm right. still going to see them at a Christmas party here and there. I'm going to see, them. you know what I mean? It's like, what am I going to do? Sit there and like be upset all day long. I can't be, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting. You know, that's all I have. I mean, you know, I have my chiropractor for Pete's sake is an anti-vaxxer, anti government and QAnon conspiracy. And then, you know, Michael's like, we can't go there anymore. And I said, I know we can't go there anymore, but I, I, you also have to think, we got to also be pragmatic. I am not going to drive 30 minutes now to the next chiropractor just to get a two minute adjustment. Like that's not going to happen. So I don't know what to do here. And, you know, and I said, well, in this situation for me, anyway, geography wins. So (laughs) it's kind of sad, but the thing is, is that he never brought anything up. You know, it's just from Facebook posts that I saw anyway at the Mm. time. So never follow you, follow your doctors on Facebook. (laughs) What? I said, no, never never. never follow. Yeah, Yeah. Because, you know. Cause it's like, Michael then started showing me stuff and he, you know, I'm not on Facebook anymore. And he's like, Oh my God, look what he said today, you know, yesterday and whatever. And I'm like, why are you following? him? <laughs> like, just- yeah, no, don't even, 
Don't even look at that stuff. Um, you know, he's a good chiropractor. So I mean, <laughs> you know, literally he held me out with my back. I'm feeling really, really good. You know, hate, so, hate, hate the, hate the, the guy, not the artist, right? Like, like Michael right. Jackson. I mean, we all have had to deal with the, you know, the stories about allegations of, you know, child yeah. assault and things like that. And it's like, but, but fuck, I love off the wall and thriller. Like those are such great albums. Like, right. Right. It's a conundrum, yeah. you know, yeah. but God forbid that like, you know, you just, uh, but anyway, um, Nick, as we're starting to wind down, see, I knew mm-hmm. we would just flow. Like, I can't believe it's already been almost an hour, but I want to oh give God, you yeah. an opportunity to, um, you know, uh, share whatever you're working on. If you have like a special page dedicated to like your, your screenplay side of you, or if you just want to let folks know where they can find Nick and Russ don't know anything. Um, now's your time to plug and chug. All right, here, let me plug. Okay. So, uh, Nick and Russ don't know anything. It's uh, I do a podcast with Russell. Uh, so we're, uh, we've been friends since Texas for a very long time. And, um, and we basically talk a lot about politics and sometimes we do like a movie review here and there, like we did with you and, uh, uh, you know, just things that, that, that we like, you know, I mean, we don't really have a set agenda on there. We do, we do talk about politics at least once a week. Usually sometimes we have guests. So we talk about more about them and like what's going on in, in, in their lives, you know, like, so that's always been a very good thing. And, uh, and I love doing that show as for the screenplay until it's finished. I'm not really going to talk about it, but it is Greek. It's a Greekish based thing. So it's about a gay Greek in America. So oh, think about it that way. So let your wait. imagination go places. I can't wait to leave. So, finish that and you know what nick um when you finish it and you feel like talking about it you are always welcome to come to the gen x voice podcast to talk about it with us oh definitely yeah awesome. and it's about a gay greek in the south side of chicago oh, <laughs> i wonder who it's about <laughs> and folks i'll go ahead and put the link to um nick and russ don't know anything and i'll put a link to both episodes where um i guested on thanks for having oh cool yeah and it's nickandrust.com so nickandrust.com awesome okay yeah. well nick now we've made it to the rapid fire portion of the podcast are you ready yes okay um remember these are short and sweet answers and here we go what's your favorite memory from childhood the the, where's the the bumper cars near where i lived in greece what's your favorite 80s band or musician madonna okay i was gonna say if you didn't say madonna we i was just gonna delete this interview (laughs) (laughs) yes i also Uh, love george michael oh my god i used to have both of them on my walls right um so what about your favorite 80s movie terms of endearment oh really that's the Um, story of my life yeah you know the way she died you know the father and very intense movie for 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 uh, a kid but Geez, that's mostly all of our 80s movies were intense. Um, Nick, why did you go to college? I went because I was supposed to go. So Mm -hmm. that's the story of our generation for sure. Yes. And and this one, Nick, you can feel free to elaborate and talk as long as you want. But um, if you could give any bit of advice to anyone, either in the generation's Um, that are younger or older, or even people in our own generation, or maybe just generic life advice for every generation, um, either to get through the good times or the bad times, what would you say? What would that advice be? So the number one advice I could give anybody is travel, because that's where you're going to learn about the world and about other people other than yourself and your immediate family unit. Because I notice because if you don't travel, you won't be able to experience life. Like, I mean, I, I am very much, I feel very strongly about that. And uh, when you travel, you get empathy. You start feeling for other people. You start noticing things that you do and how you can do things better for yourself. Like, that's what I, that's what always happens with me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing so well. Like, why am I bitching? Why, you know what I mean? When I go somewhere like, uh, you know, Sri Lanka or Thailand or whatever it is. And then I realize, and then that's where the gratitude comes in. So, so I always say, feel grateful with all the stuff that you already have 
and travel as much as possible because that's what's going to open your eyes and your heart and your generosity. Because I feel like that's where you become most generous is when you travel and you see other people and experience the culture. So, oh my gosh, I couldn't agree more. Oh my gosh, Nick, thank you so, so much again for taking time out of your super busy life to share your voice today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.